Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and whenever I find somebody who's done things that are really clever, you know, they've taken fabric and just mixed it up or made our jobs easier as quilt makers, you know, I want to find out about them. And so author Sue Fow is here, and she has got these great books about using bundles. Her, her newest book is called One Bundle of Fun, which I just love that title. And so, Sue, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You know, you told me that um, when, you, when, you're, when you were as, as a flight attendant, you needed something to do. So that's sort of when you were finding projects. Um, did you actually have a lot of downtime? Yes. As a flight attendant, you have so much free time, um, which is great, but you need to use your free time. Like, I was really sad and depressed, um, so I knew that I needed a good hobby that was satisfying. Mm -hmm. So I went and I took a knitting class, and um, I did that for a bunch of years. I loved to knit, but I kind of burnt out, and I had always wanted to learn how to quilt. So I went to my local quilt shop, (laughs) (laughs) and um, the only class they had available was applique. Oh. Now, yeah, no one in my family does any crafting, sewing, nothing. I didn't even know what applique was, but I signed up for it, and, and I absolutely loved it. And the nice part about that was it was another great portable project for me to take as a flight attendant. That is a portable. What were you doing, like needle turn applique at that time? Yes, yeah, just with a hand applique. Yeah. yeah. So, did, so I'm curious. Did people like stop and want to know what you were doing, or did you do this when there weren't any, you know, customers? <laughs> um, no. Well, I did it a lot of times, like waiting for the airplane out in that spot. Um, yeah, we had people would come up to me all the time and say, "Oh, what are you working on?" And you know, they might share their project if they had something. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So yeah. when did you um, start looking at, because your book is, you know, more on a, a patchwork base, uh, yes. this one. When did you start playing around with um, how to do things a little differently? Well, I always liked applique quilts that had piecing in them. Mm. So I had to take, I had to learn how to piece to make the applique, applique quilts that I liked. Um, and then when my um, husband and I, I think started that's a family, funny. I think that's funny that you had to learn to piece to yeah. <laughs> do the applique. <laughs> <It was> like <laughs> I know, and I really didn't like piecing at all. I just kind of suffered through it to get my yeah. applique quilts done. Um, so then when I, I resigned from my job and my husband and I started our family, I had more time at home, and that's when I started piecing more. And the more I did it, the better I got at it, and then I started to like it more. Now, one of the things that a lot of quilters, and I'm sure you've, you know, you've seen this time and again, is that there's a, a group of people who've said, you know, they're not comfortable with picking fabrics because, you know, they're different than putting clothes on, right? Yes. Uh, I even have trouble with that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's no uniform. Am... You don't have a uniform. That's... <laughs> right. I, I was so thankful for that. Um, but, yes, I was always the type of person that had trouble picking out fabric. When I went to a quilt store, um, 
I would spend like three or four hours there. And and the shop owners were really the ones who ended up picking out my fabric ultimately. Um, I had to bring a snack to get through, you know, to <laughs> the end. Um, so finally I discovered pre-cut. Mm. Yes, and that really solved all of my problems. Um, now all I had to do was pick out a pre-cut I liked, and I would bring it home, and I could use that. So when you first saw the pre-cuts, did you really kind of get what they were? or were, like, like jelly rolls, like when people first see those, I mean, it's like a bunch of strips. You know, it's kind of yeah. sometimes hard to wrap your brain about, well, what do you do with a bunch of strips? Exactly. I loved it. I saw it. I loved it. I bought it. I brought it home, and I was like, oh, my God, now what do I do? Right. Um, literally, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's true. And, and back when they were new, there weren't a lot of patterns out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I made with it was a rail fence quilt. Um, but, of but, course. Yeah, so, yeah right? <laughs> um, but then when I started thinking about, you know, what else you could do with the jelly rolls and the layer cakes, I started developing patterns for them. Um, and really, I started developing patterns for them because there weren't that many out there. And uh, and then my you know my quilts were turning out great because all the fabric was already pre coordinated for me. Yeah, that is the one interesting thing about a collection. You know, is that as somebody you know the designer has spent a lot of time looking at the group of fabrics so that they go together and uh, and usually across colorways too because you find that right that some like groupings have like like almost like two distinct colorways yes yeah now how yeah. do you how do you manage that when you're working on a design like if you end up with a a grouping that's kind of like two parts do you just make like two different quilts um no i just put them all together and they oh. seem fine. I think a lot of my quilts are scrappy. They're, I call them mm-hmm. controlled scrappy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because I figure they all are meant to go together. Yeah, they they really they do they do. Uh, do you add an, um, like some blenders in, like a base or anything? Um, well, for a lot of my patterns, I have um, a neutral background fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I got I got really sick of because it. For me, because I'm color challenged, mm-hmm. a lot of times it was cream, you know, or white, mm-hmm. um, and I got really sick of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I made, when I wrote the patterns for the book, that you know, one bundle of fun, um, there were no background fabrics in that, so it was kind of a break from from the blenders. I think that that's really what's um, good about this book and interesting is that. Uh, you give people patterns that they don't have to go add anything. I know, and it's so nice. I mean, if you have, say you have um, a jelly roll bundle in your closet that you bought four or five years ago, mm-hmm. you don't even need to worry about buying coordinating fabric. You can use my book and make a whole quilt top. Yeah. And and they're interesting. They're not just, you know, strips. Um, my favorite one, okay, Sue, my favorite one is because I love a churn dash. I love your country oh. churn dash. Yeah, I it like is, that one too. Oh, it is so neat. It's just a different take on it, and I, I like that. So when you were – when you mess around, do you, like, sketch designs first or work in, like, uh, on like a tool? Um, I write everything down on graph paper first. Mm. And if I really like it, um, sometimes I'll make a tester block, and sometimes I'll put it on the EQ. Mm-hmm. 
but I don't yeah. really use EQ to design. I just kind of use it to lay it out and see if it looks really good put together. Mm-hmm. Mm. So when you were doing this particular group for the book, um, did any of them surprise you, like once you started working with it? Um, yeah, I mean, some of them did because – I, you know, I think of myself as kind of a simple quilter, um, and I, I like one block repeated in my quilts. Mm-hmm. So I'll just like the one block, and I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll make a pattern out of that. And then when you put the blocks together, sometimes you get all these secondary designs that are, are a surprise, and they're really interesting and beautiful. Yeah, that is I the the one that's the star called magnetized. Yeah. Uh, that that is really effective. It's almost got a light dark and it moves across the whole quilt. Um, did you have to lay that out on the wall to sort of get that layout? No, I just I just made sure that I matched um, contrasting fabrics together. And mm. I mean, you have to be careful, like with the star. I tried mm-hmm. to um, have, like, one star have one focus, like either a color or, um, you know, they're all polka dots or something. But some of the background fabrics are dark and some are light, and it really works. That is what's really neat about it is that it varies. But you're but controlling all the – like, one, the stars are basically aqua or red or cream. Yeah, um, yeah so that, that helps because people start laying those out and get confused then. It's like, oh, it doesn't look as good as the picture. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I have to label everything to keep track. Mm -hmm. Do you use... that particular quilt. Yeah, when you're labeling, are you doing, like, um, tape or, you know, are you sticking it on the fabric? Um, No, I just put little pieces of paper, and I, like, I would put, like, um, star background. You know, and okay. yeah, just kind of keep my piles together. Yeah. Now, are you, um, your quilts are all beautifully quilted too. Are you doing that as as yes. well as everything else? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> it's oh all free goodness. motion. Yeah. That I don't even know how to really... use that. Wow, because it's got some yeah. nice close-ups so people can see the actual kind of pattern that you used on it. So you do you do a lot of across the whole surface for these? Yeah, yeah, I just do like an all-over free motion. Okay. So in your book, we have like about two minutes, but I thought maybe you could tell us a tip. Like what is one of your favorite tips from your book? Um, Well, I have a method for making flying geese in my book where Mm -hmm. you you mark your sewing machine. You you mark it um, with a piece of paper and you put a line on it and you tape it down, and then you don't have to mark your fabric at all. Ooh. Yeah, so that's really nice. And they come out very accurately. Yeah, so it's a big time saver, too, so you can just sort of power sew. Yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because marking fabric is so time-consuming. Yeah, it can be kind of zen, but if you're making, like, a lot of stuff, you're, you know, at one point you're like, am I done yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell, um, are you traveling to teach? Um, I would love to start traveling. Um, I've done a couple of um, presentations at guilds with my books. I have two books out. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to start doing more of that. My kids are my kids are eleven and eight now, so I've kind of stayed close to home, um, you know, before now. But I think I'm ready to get out there. So, where's the best place for people to find you? We have about thirty seconds. 
Um, probably my Etsy shop. It's uh, Sweet Jane. And if you Google me, Sweet Jane, you know, quilting or quilt patterns, mm-hmm. you'll find me. But, yeah, Etsy. And, um, you know, my email is my name, basically, sfow2 at yahoo.com. Perfect. So everybody should go and check out Sue's book, One Bundle of Fun, and use up those packages that you've bought those cute bundles right (laughs) absolutely (laughs) thank you sue well thank you so much we're gonna take a little break here in a minute and when we come back we're gonna talk about quilting your own quilts with the walking foot so i am pretty excited about that of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Join the One Million Pillowcase Challenge in March for the Ultimate Pillowcase Competition. Gather a team and compete in one of two categories during the month of March to make pillowcases, earn points, and maybe be crowned the Ultimate Pillowcase Champion. The top three teams in each category will be awarded cash prizes. Even if you're not forming a team, you can watch all the action with weekly voting and daily prizes. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcase madness for more information. Quilt along with us in 2017. Join our fourth annual quilt along by stitching a wall hanging, a throw, or a one block table topper, or all three projects. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash quiltalong for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media by using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest. To find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more, visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. I am super excited to talk to Jackie Gehring again. She's been on before, and we always have a really good discussion, and this time we're going to talk about quilting your own quilts with your walking foot because I think Jackie you know I think that you are taking that whole walking foot stuff to like a different level that nobody's done before oh that's so nice of you to say Pat and (laughs) hi by the way (laughs) hello hello (laughs) you know when you you've done an online class um your craftsy class on have you done two of them on the walking foot? I have, I have two crafty classes, yeah, and I've been teaching walking foot quilting around the United States and Canada for, what, almost three years now. Mm-hmm. So, so first, is, I tell, love it. tell me how did this, how did you decide to explore, because, you know, Jackie, I think this is kind of you, like it encompasses you. What I see is that you get an idea and you really explore it. It isn't like you I just do. do yeah, you don't do one little thing. You're like, okay, let's deep dive in here. And um... <laughs> Well, it, re- it really started, Pat, because, you know, I-, I hate to say it, but I don't like swirly stuff. Um, you know, I'm not a feather girl. Mm-hmm. I-, I just don't like that. Mm-hmm. I love those clean lines. I love lines. I love 
simple designs, and the walking foot is just perfect for that. And so I started doing a lot of walking foot quilting. But, you know, as quilters, we all want options. Uh You know, we want that toolbox filled so that when we have a quilt, we can pull out options. And I thought, okay, so what can the walking foot really do? So, (laughs) honey, I just strapped it on and took it for a ride. Yeah, it is. um, I just find it amazing because I've been watching you do this now, you know, over the the couple of years, particularly with your classes. And then um, now you have a book and your book is called Walk. Um, But you have to. So first, just tell me the how the title came about and the cover, which is spectacular. Thank you. Um, Well, first, I have to give a shout out to the designer of the book, Christy from Page and Pixel. Um, Mm -hmm. Christy is fabulous. Uh, but the title of the book kind of happened serendipitously. <laughs> My <laughs> sons are um, in their 20s, and they're both kind of modern, cool, hip kids. And I was really struggling with the title of the book. I tend to be really wordy and <laughs> muddled. <laughs> and my youngest son looked at me, and he says, So, Mom, what is the essential element of this book? And mm-hmm. I said, The Walking Foot. And he said, what does the walking foot do? And I said, well, it walks. And he said, that's the title of the book. Ah. And he was so right. Um, You know, he broke it down to the really essential element. What is it all about? And I also say in the book, walk, don't run. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we tend to, you know, try and put the pedal to the metal and go really fast. And part of um, using that walking foot is going at a nice, moderate pace and walking and not running so Jonathan was um, absolutely right. Yeah, <laughs> and it's beautiful. the 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 cover is very striking. It um, it's black and white with just a pop of. Is this your signature green? That's uh, your actually name? it's kind of a yellow. Um, it's yeah, more okay. of a you know kind of a, a yellow. But um, you know the boys also told me he's. I mean they're always pushing me to be more modern, and. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I can be, but they wanted that book to, John and Ben kept telling me, Mom, it should look like a book that belongs in a museum. And so that was kind of the mantra of how the the inside and the outside of the book looks. It's very clean. Mm -hmm. It's very graphic. um, And that's my style, too. So that's what I wanted the book to look like. So so tell me the... um the sort of content of it, because is this something for a beginner or is this something for somebody who's done a bit of walking foot quilting? So it covers from beginner all the way up to people who want to challenge themselves with really intricate marking and intricate design. Um, There's a very long section called walking foot 101, which is a comprehensive basics section. Um, I even take people through a test drive, just like a test drive a car. I mm-hmm. think people need to test drive their walking foot or their integrated dual feed system so they really get to know it. Because if you don't know it, then mm-hmm. it really can't work for you. And then the rest of the book, there are six chapters that are organized by design characteristics. Lines, gentle curves, mark curves, decorative stitches, reverse, and turning designs. And then there's a small gallery for inspiration. Um, but it's really about those six design chapters um, Mm -hmm. because in there there are so many options and that's filling that toolbox with options that I can pull out to quilt my quilts. 
You know, I want to um, talk about the th- ones that I see as a tad bit more advanced, you know, because I'd like to – I have a couple questions. I thought maybe you could sure. you could uh, give us some feedback. But one of the things is some of these you probably need to mark, that you probably can't get away with creating that same design without marking. And that's Absolutely. a scary thing for me personally and for a lot of people because we don't want the marks to be able to come out. Uh, what? How do you deal with that? So for a lot of, so for me, minimal marking is best. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of the designs, I've figured out minimal marking, like just dots for point to point lines, and for a lot of the marked curve designs, they're just dots that we're marking, and those are usually easy to take out. But some of the more intricate designs are full marked designs. And so I have, you know, people ask me all the time, what's the ultimate marking tool? Well, there isn't one, or mm-hmm. at least I haven't found it. Well, darn. It. I mean, <laughs> I have a whole, you know, box full of markers that I use. Um, and I test everything to make sure it comes out before I use it. And I've also found um, a spray, a mm-hmm. mark um, removal spray by Quilter's Rule that um, I have in my toolbox as well that has saved me a couple of times. Um, and I also like um, Haney's Quilt Pounce, you okay. know, to use with stencils. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, and that just irons away. Oh, my gosh, that's so easy. Um, oh, that's You know, nice. I use um, Golden Threads quilting paper to make my own stencils, and I use that mm-hmm. Quilt Pounce, and that's been – it's worked really well for me. The um, the other quick question is on basting. Are you your spray baster? Is that right? I am. Um, I'm a convert. <laughs> I am, and but I I do it a little differently. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us that. So I do it vertically on my design wall, but mm-hmm. one of the things that has revolutionized my life, and I know you asked this question about overspray. Mm-hmm. So I figured out you don't have to spray in the same place that you base. And Mm -hmm. so what I do is I take my stuff out (laughs) either to the garage or outside, and I lay a tarp down, and Mm -hmm. I spray outside, and I just fold um, the quilt top and the back onto each other, um, Mm -hmm. wrong sides together, so it sticks together. Yeah. And then I just bring it into my studio. There's no spraying done inside. Ah. And then I based vertically on that design wall, which allows me not to be on my knees or have to have a gigantic table. Right. Um, and it's really changed my life. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Is that part in the book or is that like on your it is. website? Okay. Okay. No, nope, it's in the book. Yeah. Then everybody needs the and, book because we need to figure uh, out how Jackie solved the mystery. That's like. <laughs> and I also heat set after I spray base. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very important as well because mm-hmm. once the first time I spray based it, I thought this is all wrinkly. I can't quilt this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and heat setting gets all those wrinkles out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good tip. Awesome, awesome. So I want to get in a few more things here. This always goes so fast, Jackie. Um, the, can you tell me just briefly about QuiltCon? It's uh, from the Modern Quilt Guild's quilt show. Oh, my gosh coming up yes (laughs) it's coming up next week um i guess i'm leaving next week and it starts the following thursday um so a week from thursday and we're in savannah georgia this year for the very first time 
and it is the quilt show and convention of the Modern Quilt Guild. And, um, well, we have a big quilt show. We have lots of classes and teachers. We have an amazing show floor with demos and booths and um, things to buy and amazing sponsors. Um, but it's, it's the best place to go and see um, great modern quilts. And your role still on the uh, – you're still on the board? I am still the chairman of the board of the Modern Quilt Guild, so I'll be there. Come see me. Um, I'm hoping to talk to hundreds and hundreds of people. That's awesome. They can come and get a book signed too, right? Um, I'm having a book signing, and I'm doing a demo on the show floor. So come see uh-huh. me. That is so cool. Okay, so one last question. We have maybe a minute and a half. You um, you have been doing a ton of teaching but on the road. But I understand you might be doing a little bit of an adjustment. You have a new space at home to work in. I do. And, you know, I taught 39 different times last year on the road. Mind-boggling. It's a lot. <laughs> yes. It's a lot. And um, 2017 is pretty busy, too. But my goal in 2018 is to reduce my travel and to bring people to my lovely city of Kansas City. So um, I have a space with two other artists and um, – Hopefully by 2018, I'll be bringing people to Kansas City to experience our city and to teach here um, so I can actually live at home with my husband. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That'll be so neat. And you're already working in your new space, right? I am. I am. And it's really kind of changed the way I work, um, not working alone um, in a room in my house. Yeah, and and having to leave your house and your stuff is someplace else now. And um, yep, and did, I've got two other really great brains to um, collaborate with, and it's pretty fun. Are they also quilt makers? They are. I work with okay. Jamie David, who works for Bernina, and I work with Kim Eichler Mesmer, who's an amazing dyer and works at the mm-hmm. Kansas City Art Institute. So both textile people, and we all bring something different to the table. But um, you know. Multiple brains create great things. Yeah. Well, Jackie, this has been so much fun. Have a great time at QuiltCon, and thank you for putting out a great book. Thanks, Pat. I really appreciate it. And as always, it's just awesome to talk to Pat. Oh, you're so sweet. We'll be right back. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Three-ring binders are the perfect storage method for fabric panels. Simply fold each panel into a page protector and insert into the binder. They're easy to view and keep the panels easily accessible. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. (laughs) 
take an ultimate shop hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and if you look in your ruler area, I bet that you have a twister ruler. These are specialty rulers that are super fun, and uh, I am lucky enough to talk to one of the owners of the company, which is Marilyn Foreman. So, Marilyn, thank you for being here. Whoop. Okay, so I'm not sure I have Marilyn or we're going to, okay, let me just keep talking because Marilyn's line got cut. So we're going to just bring her back up and get her back on here. Uh, so Marilyn is, uh, has a, a partner and they have bought the ruler for the twister rulers. And those are the ones that are sort of a square and has this funky angle on it and you can do all kinds of fun things. Marilyn had been using this uh, ruler for her pattern company for years and years and years. And her pattern company is called Quilt Moments. So Marilyn, thanks for being able to get on here with me today. Hi, Pat. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Excited to be here. So when you, um, when you first saw a twister uh, ruler back before you bought the company, you know, bought the, the ruler product. You know, when you first saw that as a designer, what did you think? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because I've always prided myself on my other quilts that I like the idea of not having to use any funky rulers. I'd like just using either plain big rulers, you know, and the squares and the big mm-hmm. ones. So I was kind of late to the game of jumping on with the twisters. Marsha Bergen had created them in 2009, 2010. It was around 2012, after she'd been talking about more and saying, hey, I'd like more pattern designers to use them, that I gave them a try. And then once I did, I was addicted because it's just a fun, easy way to make pinwheel shapes when all you're doing is um, sewing squares together. So I was quickly addicted to that, as I am all the other piecing <laughs> techniques. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you have done some super interesting things with it. Uh, were you doing those prior to having the opportunity to um, buy the the rulers? Oh, definitely, yes. I mean, I never envisioned that we'd be acquiring the actual copyright to the tools and the tools themselves. Um, I was just, you know, happily going along being a pattern designer and playing with fabric. So, um, but in 2012, I did a couple of them. My Twister Illusions was like a really um, very successful one for me. I just did it with solid fabrics, and people really liked it a lot. And then it wasn't until um, 2015 when Marsha was saying that she was thinking of retiring, and I'd met her a few times, and she really liked the idea of um, pattern designers or people who really love the product to buy it rather than, like, some big mm-hmm. corporation. So um, that's how it all came to be, and uh, here we are about a year and a half later into it. You know, I just think that, the, you know, I still am one of those people that haven't played around with it too much. You know, I do own one because I think everybody does. Uh, yeah. or it makes, <laughs> you buy them. Um, so tell me a little bit about the concept of the ruler, because when you first look at it, it's almost like you, you pretty much need a pattern to do something with it. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. It's one of those mind benders that until you see it in action, it's hard mm-hmm. to really kind of visualize it. Um, that's what one of the great videos I like that we actually put on the Twister Sisters Designs website is Jenny Doan's um, Missouri Star Quilt Company video of it. Mm-hmm. But because you're making the pinwheels, the idea behind the tool is that instead of having to cut each 
pinwheel piece manually to make the four pinwheel mm-hmm. points. By sewing together a grid of squares and having this tool that has diagonal lines on it where you put the lines on the tool on the intersection of the seam allowance and mm-hmm. cut around it so you kind of you're cutting at a at a diagonal point, then you slightly tilt those square pieces, sew all those squares together again and voila, it just magically creates these pinwheels. Um, so again you kinda of have to see it in action to do, but once you do it in a way, you really don't need an elaborate pattern if you're just going to do scrappy ones. You can just grab a charm mm-hmm. pack, grab a layer cake, throw the squares together, put a border around it, and start cutting. Um, yeah. So that's really great. And then, of course, if you want to do funkier designs, you know, we have patterns and lots of other people um, make patterns on the market all the time. What is one of the things that people um, do that make them, like, mess up, I guess? That would be the best way to say it. You know, what, how can you yeah, solve yeah. for me? You know, I mean, I'll say this politely, but, you know, when they mess up, you know, but what, yeah. did, what did they usually do to, to cause that? Yeah. Well, one of the easy ways to mess up would be, let's say, if you had an open window and you'd cut oh. up a bunch of the pieces and then things kind of flew out of the way. But as you cut, you kind of want to make your way and cut one piece at a time, you know, cut one row at a time, and then sew those together. Um, sometimes we've seen where people have put the tool upside down. I mean, the tool has these great um, feet on the mm-hmm. bottom of them, bumper-type things, so that it sits on top of the seam allowances and also doesn't um, wiggle. Um, mm-hmm. So that's great. But sometimes, you know, people, I don't know, play around with it and put it upside down. And so if you get, you got to be consistent and always have that part down. Um, uh-huh. And use, using a fresh rotary blade is great for any project, but specifically this, too, if you're trying to cut, you know, right around the perimeter of the tool. Yeah. Now, are, you know, they come in, they come in sizes, right? Yes. Um, the first two sizes that Marsha had created were the little twister that used five-inch squares, so charm packs, mm. and then um, same time the twister for 10-inch squares, um, so layer cakes. And then um, a couple years later, she came up with a MIDI size, M-I-D-I, which uses six-and-a-half-inch squares. People oh. oftentimes have that kind of strip <laughs> left over from cutting borders, so there's mm-hmm. a big demand for that. Um, and then most recently, since Lisa Amundsen, around the bobbin, is my partner um, in this, we came up with for Fall Market a brand new size called the Mini Twister Tool because we thought, hey, we don't want to leave a pre-cut out <laughs> and the two right. and a half inch strip pens and utilized. So we came up with a way if you used um, our new size, then you can make four patches out of two and a half inch strips and then make the pinwheel points all different colors. So that's kind of the crazy excitement we get. Um, so we're, <laughs> we're thinking that'll be a fun, a fun thing for people to try. Well, you know, and people, you have a lot of scraps they can use up in that size. So exactly, yeah. And you, besides single patterns, you also have um, books that have a bunch of stuff in them, right? Well, uh, Marsha, the creator, Country Schoolhouse Design, mm-hmm. she still sells her popular Let's Twist book series. So even though she's okay. retired from the tool business itself, she still sells the books. Um, okay. Lisa and I do mostly patterns, although our, our very first thing we did is owning Twister Sisters because one of the most re- questions we get is, hey, I have the tools. Um, I haven't used them yet, or I, or I have, and I, and I love them, but I want to do, like, like a specific size quilt, like let's say a baby quilt, how many squares across and down do I need to use to Mm -hmm. yield X size? So we thought this simple twister planner, just 650 retail, kind of lays out 15 different grid sizes from runner to queen to do like a basic scrappy quilt. And it has, you know, reminder of the basic instructions in there too. So um, we really find that as a a good starting point. That's just a little, um, like a planning guide. So that's yeah, I, 
Yeah, that seems really useful because people – and like with all the coloring book stuff going on, people can color in. They can make a copy of the page, right, and color it in. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So what else do you do with these besides this? I mean, are you creating anything that looks more like a traditional block? Um, the, the neat thing is, I mean, I guess I should say it really depends. I mean, traditional block-wise – my first love is quilt moments patterns, and what most people know me from, if they're familiar with quilt moments, is mm-hmm. I love using large prints um, and doing like four patch kaleidoscopes with them by layering four identical repeats. Well, mm-hmm. that's just four patches, right? So once mm-hmm. I kind of had that little voila moment that, hey, that's what the twister uses, mm-hmm. you've got to be addicted. But if you make four patch kaleidoscopes and use that as your squares, then when you apply it, you can end up having, like, kaleidoscope pinwheels. And then I've been putting those in the center of blocks and different designs as well. So, like, my Twister Magic Pattern uses the um, midi size tool um, to apply to do that. So there's just endless ways, really, they can use it. And Elisa, with her around the bobbin pattern, she has some really cute tote bags mm-hmm. um, that she uses it. So, you know, you don't have to just do quilts. I mean, there's, there's runners, there's aprons, there's lots of different fun things to do out there. So tell me a little bit about the about kaleidoscopes because you said you really like, you know, creating those effects. What yeah. you know, what is the best like? Is is the fabric super important for that? It, you know, it really is. I mean, and there's so many great fabrics on the market, but the, the key is just big kind of all over prints that have a lot of stuff going on all over. You know, you don't want big huge blank background space, but as long as there's mm-hmm. movement, you know, like leaves or things going throughout, and some motifs within like two to three inches in diameter, um, then that creates the most interest when you cut it. And when I say the four patch, you're really just layering four pieces identically on top of each other with flathead pins, and then I'm just strip cutting and then okay. sub-cutting those in a square sets of four. So it's actually really easy once you lay it on top of each other. Then it's just like sewing together four patches. So it's a kind of a, a neat kaleidoscope effect without doing the neat, you know, the more elaborate, amazing stuff that like Paula Nadel Stern or Ginny Beyer does. But this is just a quicker version, and it satisfies me, and it, you know, just spices up the center of the block. So I tell people, even if they're not using one of my Goat Moments patterns, think of using that technique in the center of your existing quilt box. Yeah, there, you know, one of the things that seems like it, you know, it doesn't, what you're t- talking about, it doesn't matter so much where you line it up then. That's what I'm trying to get in my head. Right, right. Is, I mean, you have to be careful, Pat, to lay all four layers of the identical repeats of fabric on top of each other. Oh, and, okay. And so those are identical. So that's the only putsy part. But mm-hmm, once you mm-hmm. do that, you are just cutting with your long, you know, 6 by 24 inch ruler strips of whatever width you want. So like, say, 2 inch width strip will end up mm-hmm. yielding um, 2 inch square sets for 4-inch finished four patches, right? And you can right. do a variety of sizes. So that's, that's what I love to do. So my Kaleidoscope Symphony book, which kind of is, a, is like a sampler-type book mm-hmm. um, that uses that technique in the center, shows, you know, it has like some 4-inch finished four patch and 6-inch finished four patches. Um, but you can really, depending on the scale of the fabric, you might go, oh, I could use even bigger ones. And then my Craftsy class, I go through that too. I have one called Quilted Kaleidoscopes, and that goes through all the different ways you can pick out fabric, and it even shows the twister tool, how to use it, and how to kaleidoscope with it. So that, that was a really fun uh, thing to do. I was just going to ask you, I knew that you had a class, so the class is going to really cover you know, everything. The whole game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
really does. Well, to kaleidoscopes. Well, I think some of those things, it's so much easier to see it visually. It is. Um, yeah. It is. Now, people, you, you know, they, you, you get a three yards of beautiful fabric, and you're kind of scared to chop into it, even if you're reading directions in a pattern. So it's kind of fun yeah. to actually see it in action and right. know that it's you, okay. <laughs> we bought the fabric for a reason. Right. It's okay to chop it up and use it. Um, now, you go out on the road and do some vending and teaching? Yes, I do. I love doing that. That's probably one of my favorite parts is meeting other quilters and um, kind of just sharing our love for quilting. Yeah. So what what is the number one question you get asked if you're, like, demoing? Probably isn't it too hard or, or oh. there's no way I can do this. Um, yeah. And. You know, for the twister technique, like I said, that's one of those things until you cut it, you know, it looks like it's real hard. But once people see a demo, it's like, wow, that I could do that, you know. So it's mm-hmm. really beginner, beginners can do that. And then the kaleidoscope, the same thing. How could I possibly do that? And then they, when they see I'm just doing strip sets and see it in action, um, they really get excited about it. So that's why one of the reasons I love to travel and kind of go around and say, hey, you know, this is, this is kind of fun. It's, not, it's nothing hard. It's basically letting the fabric do the work. Right. And what happens is the quilts themselves really are spectacular looking. And so I think that, you know, when people see them, they're like, whoa, that's a lot of, you know, I don't know where to, how to do that. But yeah, they, they you make it easy. Yeah. yeah. You make but, it all easy. Yeah, so I have yeah. a fun question for you. What I mean, uh, designers, you know, business people in the industry, you know, we all have a lot of work projects. But do you have a... a personal project you're doing also? Well, you know, I've always loved taking um, mystery-type quilt classes and um, the Glad Creations Quilt Shop in Minneapolis here. I have did several of them. So I love to work on my UFOs and one <laughs> where I can just mix my favorite stash of yeah. fabrics. You know how when you're designing, you typically have to use a particular fabric companies if you're working mm-hmm. for them. So I just love going crazy and picking. So that's what I'm working on now is a, a scrappy one uh, Glad Creations pattern that just from the past, oh, I don't know, I probably started it 10 years ago, Pat. But um, I just love petting the fabric and thinking back on, you know, acquiring it and just, you know, making a couple blocks here or there. Because, as you know, you don't get a whole lot of time to do the non, you know, work type. Uh, right. And sometimes you have to do other life things when you uh, do have some time, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> there are a few things. Yeah, I do have three kids. <laughs> yeah, the, the the family or whatever. So, so Marilyn, the best way, real quick, is to find you at quiltmoments.com, um, right? Quiltmoments.com, and then the Twisters is twistersistersdesigns.com. Um, and I'd Great. like to just do a shout-out for my blog on quiltmoments.com because I'm giving away clean-sized Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ Magazine. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. An empty toilet paper roll makes it easy to store prepared binding. When you're ready to use, Simply slip the roll onto the cone thread holder on your sewing machine to unroll your binding easily. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. 
Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and sometimes we, we run out of time. So if you go to Marilyn's blog at quiltmoments.com, um, she's doing a giveaway right now for um, listening in here. You hear about it. So just hop on over there. Of course, you know, you're listening to this three months from now. Uh, it's That's not going to work, but it's February 12th, 2017. So I'm doing a little... Uh, Q&A and with uh, questions people sent me and also uh, wanted to tell you about a couple things, other things that are going on. Um, first of all, there's a brand, you know, Moda has uh, partnered with um, uh, Martingale and there's a series of books uh, for that are that have part of the money goes to charity. And these are the the Moda books that are designers are in them like i'm in them and they're called moto all-stars and so when we do the moto all-star books uh there's a series of designers and they have a theme but i wanted to tell you that the each one what the charity is that they're supporting because the third book is just coming out um very soon and i in in march and so the first book that came out was uh, moto all-stars all in a row and the all in the row was um charity that we supported was No Kid Hungry. And so part of that went to to them. The second book was called Mini Marvels and this went to the Texas the the charity portion went to the Texas Scottish Rite Hospital for Children. Uh, what we do is that um, Lisa Alexander who is, um, a is on the Moda uh, team, she asked the designers that are participating what is one of our charities that we like, what would we like to see put in the pool to uh, to give to? And so for the third book that's coming out, it's called Lucky Charm Quilts. And each of the quilts in there is designed using a charm for the five-inch squares. Uh, and the charity for this one is Alex's Lemonade Stand, which is another children's uh, charity. So you can find these. I'm going to put them on my website. But you can find them in your local stores, or you can ask your favorite quilt shop to get in the Moda All-Star books. They're really good. There's always a funny section in there for each designer. They ask us a bunch of questions, and we give our answers. And they're it's and the and the quilts are always amazing. They're, every designer just you know does their very best work for these projects. So you want those books in your library. So I've been asking either by my Facebook live chats or some of my giveaway posts uh, questions. And then I'm keeping those questions and then, you know, using this opportunity to talk talk about them because people have a whole variety of things. So I thought I'd group a couple of them this time. And uh, the first ones are sort of about um, a little bit about design, fabric, and I had a question from Diana who said, um, you know, she she was asking me, how do you find your niche? How do you find your style? How do you settle on a color palette? Or in the end, is it really you just, you know, you just go with the flow and do what you want? Because I guess she's struggling a little bit to sort of fine tune what her quilt style is. So that got me really thinking because as a person who's in the business, business people generally have a style. We, you know, are known for a particular look. You can look at a lot of designers work, you know, right away, whether it's the color choices or the style of quilts that they make um, or, 
or maybe it's their applique is is drawing, so they're drawing these things. You could tell they're drawings. Um, but as a as a hobbyist, as a person who does quilt making for fun, uh, there's all different levels. There's people who make work that they exhibit, and when they exhibit work, they definitely you know if they're going to do a lot of that, they start to want a style so that people can tell their work. Um, and you know there might be uh, art quilters who are also sort of working in a style. So I thought about that. I thought, well, first of all, you need to uh, you need to ask yourself if you're wondering about this. You know, do you, do you need a style? You know, is that important? And why is it important? Why, you know, you don't have to have one. You can make a children's quilt, and you can make something. You know, with 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 little teddy bears on it. Then you can make a quilt that's elegant with French general fabric, and then you could make a fun, bright, happy quilt with me and my sister fabric. I mean, you don't have to have a style as a hobby, but if you want one and you're interested in how to develop that, I would suggest that you look at working in series because when you work in series, series meaning, okay, let me just, so when you work in series, what you're doing is you're going to work a thought from one quilt to the next quilt to the next quilt. So I would work in series two ways. So you're going to make a series of quilts. You might make five quilts. You might make 20 quilts. When I had Paula Nadelstern on, she's doing her kaleidoscopes quilts. You know her quilts. She's done like 30 of them. She's working in series. Um, if you are looking at color. Maybe you feel like, I don't have a color that's me. Maybe you're just trying to discover what you really like. Well, what you can do is make a simple quilt in the colors that you want. And don't make it real complex because you're really trying to work with fabric and work with color. So you work with that and you make one. You don't even have to quilt it if you don't want to. Just make the top and then change it up and make another. I did this years ago. And when I did it, if you've heard my talk, I used a simple churn dash block because I wanted to control what I was doing. I didn't want to have to keep finding new patterns all the time because all it was changing was the fabric. So what you can do is make a second one. If you're just working with fabric, change the, fa if the fabric up. If it's the colors you're doing. Okay, I did, I did gray and yellow and white for the first one. Well, for the second one, did I like the gray and yellow or do I want to try gray and pink and black? You know, where can I go? Which colors are speaking to me? Am I trying to figure out if I like gray and what shade of gray and what does gray go with? And you just keep making them and developing and fine-tuning. Maybe you start adding in something else. Maybe it needs a splash of red or a splash of lime green or, um, you know, something like that. So you, you work in series. Now that would be, I, I would do that for color because you get to play around with a simple block and really make the fabric do all the work and the colors in the fabric. Now, if you're looking at your style as far as a design element, well then, you know, do you want to do, I'm going to pick one that's really easy for everybody to visualize and how you might um, <clears throat> work in style. So a New York Beauty, a New York Beauty block, if you go out to Pinterest, you can find so many New York Beauty quilts, and they don't look the same. They do look pretty different. What I would do would be to go out there and 
find a simple one first and and make it you know whatever style that's you know we'll, we'll stick with new york beauty pretend that you picked that even though they're hard <laughs> well they're not hard if you like them but they're a little bit more work <clears throat> excuse me um so you make one and don't make you know like a kink size you're trying to work on on this as you know a style then take that new york beauty and adjust it make a different style new york beauty block make it bigger make it smaller make less of them more of them put more space um add something to it each time as you work through you can kind of think of Paula Nadelstern's kaleidoscopes as you know she was on a few weeks ago you could go back and look at her site and listen to my interview there um you can see how her quilts change over time since she has a, such a large body of work that is is pretty much the same. You know, you're basically trying to um, adjust and move through what that design element is and make it your own. You know, find the thing that you like. Maybe you decide you don't really want to make that style quilt. That's what you learn. So then you pick something else. So I hope that helped you some. Um, if you're listening to this uh, from my, my website, leave me a comment. I'd love to know whether that um, <clears throat> that's something you do or want to do. Now, taking this just a little bit um, in a different angle, we had another question from Connie. And um, Connie said that she was wondering here, you know, how do you shop to add variety to what you already own and you shop with a purpose i think that's basically what her question was rather than just going and buying what you like which we all love to do then you come home and it has no friends you know you try to you try to put it with things and nothing you already own goes with it you know what would be a way to to shop with a purpose so that if you have a hole or something you know how do you anticipate what you might need so that you have fun shopping and looking but what you buy is more useful. I think that that's really what it comes down to. Is is, is it more useful? So I have a little example um, where I had used a lot of red fabric. Surprise, surprise! And I realized I didn't have enough reds that read a little bit more tonal that had like less colors. I had reds with big florals or reds with images that had a bunch of other colors in them or flowers of the color. And I needed some reds that were tighter. They didn't have as much going on. They were maybe smaller scale prints. So what I did is I shopped for those so that I had a purpose. And when you go to the store, then you could take, like you do, could do a swatch book. You could cut little pieces of what you already own, and you could take those along and say, okay, this is what I have going on, and I need some things to go with it. You know, maybe you're already planning a project. That would be a little bit more project planning. Uh, the other thing would be to take a look at really what you have. Look at your your colors. Look at what you tend to use and say, you know, do I have enough? Maybe you don't have enough variety in scale. Maybe you tend to buy a lot of little tiny safe prints and you would like to up the scale of the print. But maybe you don't really want a lot of colors in it. So there you're thinking through what you need to look for. You would need to look for, let's say you're doing teal, so you would have 
some small scale teal prints, but you need some with a bigger scale print, but you don't want a lot of colors added into that, you know, so that it still reads very teal. So I would take some of the pieces you already have so that you can do a little bit of matching, you know, color wise, and then shop with purpose so that when you go and you can throw these in your purse or your, or your shopping bag or on the floor in the back of the car somewhere, uh, you know, deserve that you have it. Um, one time, this is the best thing I ever saw. One time, this lady made like a tassel of fabrics that she was looking to match. So she had this sort of strips, and she tied them together and just tied them to her purse. And she had them on her purse when she was at a show. It was it was kind of cute on there, but it was actually had a purpose to it. One more. I think I have time for one more. And I'm going to keep it in this theme of fabric and style. Is someone, um, let me see, who was that? Uh, uh, Joanne, she was asking, you know, how do you find a certain style print? Like she wants to find things to fill bug jars, you know, or fruits and vegetables. You know, uh, internet searching helps a lot. You go to your all your local quilt shops and look around and see what they have. And then you can just go to different store websites and put in the word, whether you're putting, you know, bugs or vegetables or apples, butterflies, whatever that thing is, that image-based thing. Text prints is another good one that you can uh, you can search for. But um, you also you could ask friends, you know, whether you might swap or there might be swap groups you could get involved with to um, to trade off. So. There we go. We had a lot of fun today. I had a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Leave me a comment, um, and we're going to be back next week, and I'm going to have a whole new set of guests. Uh, so I want to go and out and visit uh, American Patchwork Quilting Magazine at Facebook. You can do all, all people quilt at uh, the web. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening.